Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Any day now. Run! Run! Glad you guys made it. My name is Stuart, and I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church. And I want to welcome you, and so glad that you are here. If you haven't been in a while, or maybe this is your first Sunday here, I just want to say we are super excited that you are our guest this morning, that you have chosen to find a seat here. And sometimes people ask, like, is, have I found the right place? Is this where I should be? And I want to say yes, you have found the right place. Uh, this is a place, if you have questions uh, that you want answers, uh, and you want to seek those answers, this is a place you can do that. You're among friends. Uh, we are super excited uh, to have you with us this morning. also want to welcome those who are watching online. Uh, we're excited that you are part of our community. Uh, once you are at ACF, you are always a member of our family, so we're super excited uh, to have everybody here this morning. And if you haven't been here, uh, we are in the middle of a series of discussions that we're calling Pace Yourself, and it's Drawing ideas, biblical ideas and principles from a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And the, the main idea that we're, we're looking at or driving in this series is that our lives are super fast-paced and then oftentimes we don't slow down enough to see what God has for us. And so we want to take a look at our lives and the life that Jesus is calling us into and seeing how best we can slow down, unhurry pace ourselves so that we can connect with the God who has created us. And there's a scripture that we've been going back to uh, often through this series, and it's found in Matthew chapter 11. And if you have your Bible, you can check it out there. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, you can go ahead and turn there. We'll have it on the screen uh, as well. And you can go to our app, or you can find it online. Or you can sit back and sip your coffee and enjoy. Jesus is talking here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. We believe that Jesus has given us specific rhythms that will allow us to experience the, the free and the best life that God has designed for us. And he says that his burden is light. And that his yoke is easy. We all carry burdens in our life. We all carry and shoulder things that we carry around with us. And some of those we're meant to carry. Like we're supposed to use our gifts and our abilities to accomplish the work that God has called us to. That's a burden that we should carry. We should feel. There are some burdens we are not meant to carry, though we do. The guilt and the shame of past decisions in our lives. 
we're not meant to carry those. Christ came that we would find freedom from those things and that we would have a new, refreshing life. And so the idea of a yoke, uh, not a word that we use a lot, but it's connecting two animals together for common work. So they're going in the same direction and that they can multiply their effort. And so Jesus is inviting us in to be yoked to him to accomplish work together with him. And that's an amazing opportunity that we are given. And the idea may sound daunting. I don't want to be yoked for work. But we have the idea of, uh, of the Alaskan sled dog pulling mushers along behind them. They're super excited to do that. Why? Because that's what they were created and trained to do. They are eager and willing to do it. And the work isn't heavy. That yoke is a light yoke because, you're, because of the kind of work that you're being asked to do and who you're connected with. So that's the idea uh, that we're driving to this morning. In the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer quotes a theologian named Dallas Willard. And this is what he says. And it kind of gets at our idea of putting and adding maybe some rhythms in our lives that will help us connect with God. And really, these are disciplines that we can put into our lives that, that we can add to our weekly, our monthly, our yearly rhythms in our lives that will create an opportunity for us to deepen that relationship And so Dallas Bullard says this, the disciplines are activities of mind and body purposely purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in the power that is, strictly speaking, from the spiritual realm itself. And that's what we're after. We want to connect. We are, we are physical beings here on earth, and we want to connect with a spiritual God. And so our disciplines allow that ground to be fertile so that that relationship can grow. So I want to ask a question of you this morning, a couple of questions, and I want you to answer just in your own head. You don't need to write it down or, or talk to anyone about it. You don't need to shout it out, but do you talk to God regularly? How is your prayer life? Are you on speaking terms with God? Are they non-existent? Are they going great? Do they feel like maybe they're going off into empty void? The words that come from your mind or from your mouth towards God. I can remember as a, a student sitting in front of a test praying fervently that I would get a D for diploma, not even working for an A at that point. Because I knew I had not really put in the work, but I needed to pass the class. And so I would pray fervently. Maybe you're a parent and you're praying for your children, for, for their health, for their development, for their character, for maybe who they'll marry. Maybe you're just super practical like me and you're praying they'll eat their vegetables tonight. Maybe you're in a job that is feeling like for you the wrong job. Maybe it's a dead end and you're not sure what you should be moving on to, or even how that would look, but you're praying about it. You're bringing God into that conversation. Maybe even praying for something for years, and you've seen no movement. Just seems like things have stalled out. And you may be sitting here, and you may be feeling hopeless this morning. You may be feeling like God is so far away. But I want to tell you that regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I have great news. I have great news, that God has shown us a way that we can find clarity and to hear his voice and and understand his leading and his direction in our life. Thank you. I also want to talk about and make sure we're at the start of it. God is not 
hiding from us. God wants us to connect to him, and he wants to be found. He's not playing a large game of celestial hide-and-seek with us, that he just wants to see how hard we'll look for him, and then maybe he'll show up. But he's given us some opportunity to be able to connect with him. In Jeremiah, in fact, it says, if we seek him, we will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. He wants to be found. And that Jesus Christ, when he comes on the scene, God himself, it doesn't say that Jesus came just to give us information about God, although he did. He gave us an understanding through his, how he described God. But it says that Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. He physically showed us what the invisible God looks like. So as we study the life of Jesus, the patterns of Jesus, and the behavior of Jesus, we get an idea of what God looks like and who he is. We're going to start our discussion this morning in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 16. This is Jesus talking, and he's in the middle of a long talk about a lot of different topics. And so we come in kind of in the middle, and it says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I want to talk about one of the rarely talked about things in church today, and that is the idea of fasting. And what I want to do is pull back the curtain a little bit of the mystery of fasting, because I think we have a vague idea of what it might be, but maybe not some specifics of what it truly is. And so I really want to look at what it is and what it isn't this morning. And I want to focus on this passage just real quickly on the first four words, and when you fast. Jesus doesn't say, I command you, if you're going to follow me, you will fast. And he doesn't say, if you fast, giving this broad, well, maybe I won't, maybe I won't, or it will. But he says, when you fast, and when you fast. So he's assuming that his disciples, those who follow him, will be fasting. We have a choice as we follow Jesus. We can do things to lean in to that relationship with God, and we will see the results of those over time. Or we can choose to not engage in those things. We can choose to ignore these things, and our relationship will stay where it is, and maybe even worsen. So I want to move on from there just a few chapters over to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at uh, verse 14. So this is still early on in Jesus' ministry, and John the Baptist, who had come before Jesus to get people ready to hear his message... So John came, and he had people following him that looked to him as he was declaring the the coming Messiah, the coming chosen one that Israel was waiting for to restore the nation, is what their idea was. And they had a different idea of what that looked like than what Jesus was going to do. But nonetheless, we have a lot of people following John. And then Jesus coming on the scene, calling disciples as well. And not all the disciples had from John had yet switched over to Jesus. And so we have his disciples coming to Jesus, and this is where we we pick up the story. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, 
Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled. And the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins so that both are preserved. So to answer the question of John's disciples who are saying, hey, Jesus, we fast, and the Pharisees, the leaders of the time, they're fasting. And if you know anything about Judaism, there was one fast that they were specifically called out to do in the Old Testament, and that was the Day of Atonement where the entire nation would fast. Over the years, the leaders had added multiple fasts, and they had made it very obvious that they were fasting. It had become a religious ritual, a religious requirement uh, for the people who followed him. So they're like, hey, Jesus, your your disciples aren't following the traditions. They aren't following the rules. Why is that? And so Jesus gives them an analogy as an answer. And he says, if you're at a wedding, you're all there to celebrate. So would people not celebrate? Would they mourn at a wedding? And, and no, a wedding, no mourning allowed at a wedding. It's a time for celebration. It's an exciting time when the bride and the groom are both present, right? And he's making himself out. He's basically saying, I am the groom. I am the bridegroom. So I'm here. My disciples won't fast. But I will leave. There will be a time when they will fast. And then he goes to talk about sewing old cloth onto new, new, or new patches onto old cloth, and that being a bad idea. And so it's like, what is he talking about here? And I'm, I'm sure that there was a little confusion even at the time, but it, I've read this uh, many times, and, and this is what I think he's talking about. Judaism had become so convoluted with rules and regulations and hoops to jump through that it looked nothing like what Jesus was bringing It had become the opposite of freedom. It had become the opposite of connecting with God. It had become going through the motions without actually having a heart in it to connect with God. And so Jesus was saying, I have something so new that it's not going to fit with what you know. So we're doing something different. So my disciples aren't fasting because it's something different right now. But they will fast. And I remember as a kid, and this is... I'm old enough to know. They, there was a company called Tough Skin Jeans. And when I was growing up, I had two older brothers. And my mom would buy these Tough Skin Jeans because they had a lifetime warranty. And that's why they're no longer in business. But we would just pass them down. She was super smart. But they would get holes in them. And she wouldn't immediately take them back and get a new pair. But she would sew a patch onto the knee of the jeans where we would just destroy it. Because that's what kids do when you put them in any clothes. But the patches, she would pre-wash before she would sew them on the holes. Why? Because if she didn't, there's a likelihood they could just pull out, that they would tear the fabric, and the patch would be useless. So you, you pre-shrink it, because so, the jeans have been worn and pre-shrunk. And that's Jesus making that analogy. Something different has to happen. New wine, old wineskins. So if the wineskins, when you have a new wineskin, it hasn't absorbed any liquid yet, and you put new wine in there, it can absorb and expand. It can stretch. But once it's already stretched, you put new wine in, and it's going to burst it. It's going to cause problems. And so Jesus, again, is saying something. He's bringing something new and different. 
As an aside, by Jesus referring to himself in the analogy as the bridegroom, he's actually claiming to be the Messiah. And we don't have time to look into that. That's a whole other sermon. But it's really cool when you start looking at this, what Jesus says as he's just giving other, other teachings, and he drops these hint at who he is. Um, I just think it's really cool. So if Jesus is encouraging us, when you fast, so he's assuming, and then he's saying, my disciples, once I've gone back up to heaven, which he's there now, will fast, we should probably take a look at what he's talking about. We should probably understand what fasting is. And this is how I put my mind around fasting in a simple phrase, and it's this. Fasting puts skin in the game with our prayers. It takes us from having lip service, just words before God, to a physical act with it. We, we get our whole person involved, mind, body, and spirit. But we need to be careful, too, that we don't think this is a magic formula that if I pray and I fast, then God will. Because that would be just going through the motions. And he addresses this. You don't have to turn there, but back in Isaiah 58, God has a dialogue through the prophet Isaiah with the nation of Israel at the time. And this specific section is talking about fasting. And so God quotes what they were saying, and then he addresses their issue. Isaiah 58, verse 3, it says, Why have we fasted and you see it not? So they're talking to God, and God is quoting them in this. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? So we're fasting. We're doing everything that's required, and we don't see you moving. We don't see anything happening. This is really a time in the nation of Israel. They're in the midst of being taken into captivity because they had disobeyed God, and God said, my covenant with you, I will keep you on this land. I will continue to protect you as long as you follow what I've, what I've asked you to follow. And they had turned their back on God, and they had followed the gods of the nations around them. They had started to look more like the nations around them than a nation set apart to be a light to the world. And so God brought in other, other nations to bring them away. And so they're in the midst of being brought away, and so they're fasting, and they're, they're coming to God and pleading with him, like, save us. Um, but they're not willing to change. So this is how God responds. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, and you oppress all your workers. Behold, your fast, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. God is accusing them, yeah, I, I, do, I do ignore your fast because you're just going through the motions. You're just doing it because you think it's the right thing to do, but there's no heart connection with it. So I really want to ask and answer these questions this morning. What is fasting? Why would we fast? What are the benefits of fasting? What does it accomplish? And how would I fast if I decided to fast? So what is fasting? And I want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing because some people will talk about intermittent fasting as a way of eating that will help maybe boost your immune system, keep your weight under control, just keep you overall healthier. And I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about withholding certain foods, being vegan or vegetarian, uh, or eating low carbs and high protein uh, as a way of health. Those are all great things, by the way, but that's not what we're talking about when we say biblical fasting. And so biblical fasting is refraining from eating for a spiritual purpose. 
refraining from eating for a spiritual purpose. So it's different than just doing it for the benefits that I might get. It's wanting to connect, again, with a God who is spiritual. So the three components that I see in biblical fasting, as you study it throughout Scripture, these are three things that I think they have in common. And the first is it's God-centered. It's always focused on God. Seeing God move, connecting with God, understanding what God would have me think, what, what God would have me do. At any time we lean into a perfect, holy God and we focus on that, we can't help but examine our own hearts and be humbled. That's the second component, is there's a legit humility and a self-examination when you start look, coming closer to a God who is perfect. And the last thing is it has a purpose. It always has a purpose. There's a reason why we fast. Fasting without a purpose is just going to leave you hungry. You're just going through the motions as the, the people in Isaiah were doing. So some of the purposes that I see in fasting deepen our prayers, allow us to focus more on our prayers what we're actually thinking through. There's, sometimes I pray and I can tell you that a few minutes later I don't even know what I prayed. And I realized I had just gone through some, some words with God. I, I said some things or thought some things. And it was my, my, my person, my spirit was not in it. Fasting can help you focus those things. You can ask God for leading, for protection or healing for someone you know, yourself. Maybe you fast out of remorse for behavior or to see God work around us. As a side note, if you want to know what controls you in life, fast it. Think about something right now that you would like not want to give up, period. Like that would be the hardest thing to give up. You might be on track of something that's controlling you, that is limiting your freedom. So some common objections to fasting and I don't know if you can relate to some of these, but one that I think about is I work hard for what I have and provide for my family. Why would I give up any of it? Like I, I scrape sometimes to get something so that my family can enjoy it. Why would I give it up? That seems silly. I might get hangry. If I don't eat, I'm gonna, you won't like me um, that day or that, that meal because I'm going to get hangry. I get headaches. It's foolish. I'll pass out. I'll starve. I'm not going to be able to do my job. I'm military. My family's going to think I'm weird. It's a holiday. It's my birthday. It's Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> Fasting's legalistic, and Jesus came to bring me freedom. I have health issues like diabetes, or I take medication that requires food, so I couldn't go without that. These are all valid and true. They don't get us around Jesus' encouragement when he says, those four words, when you fast, and when you fast, and that my disciples will fast. So we have to come to grips with that. So, so on Monday, I decided, like, in the, as preparation for this, and I put it off because I'm a procrastinator. Just give me a, a deadline up against which to procrastinate, and I will do it every time. So I knew I was speaking this week, so I decided I, I probably should fast as preparation, right? And I've fasted before, but I thought it'd be helpful to have a fresh fast. So last week I was uh, traveling. We had the men's retreat, 
And I knew that was just gonna, no way because the food is just too amazing. So I, I was like, if you go to lower 48, like there's Chick-fil-A and stuff, so you can't fast. It's just impossible. I don't know how they do it. But we can be holier up here. So I thought, I'll do Monday. I didn't look at my schedule. And then I realized Monday morning, um, Pastor Josh and I, headed into, we had to head into Anchorage to sit on an ordination licensing board. And um, what that is, is there were six of us, and one of them, one of the, the gentlemen present is wanting to go into full-time vocational ministry, and so he's, uh, as a part of that, to be, uh, become a pastor, you, you licensed and ordained. And so this is an interview where for two and a half hours, uh, those of us that have already gone through this process get to ask him about his Bible knowledge, his th- theology, about how he views God and man and all kinds of things, uh, about his personality, the way he lives his life. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. And I'd say he did an amazing job, too. The, the young man just, just knocked it out of the park. But so walk in, and the little room that we're sitting in at um, Alliance Bible Church in Anchorage has a box of Dino's Donuts sitting in the middle of the table. And I've already decided, like, this is, a, you know, uh, this is my fast. And then not only that, they cut them in half, so they're super easy and bite-sized. And they smelled amazing, but... First crisis moment of the day. I hadn't planned well. Well, then he did so well that everyone was like, let's, let's go out to lunch and celebrate. Well, I don't know if you know where that church is, but it's around the corner from Moose's Tooth Pizza. So they wanted to go out to Moose's Tooth. So we all go out, and I'm holding the menu, having my second crisis moment of the day. Nobody knows yet that I'm fasting today, just me and God. God will understand, right? It's Moose's Tooth. So I'm holding the menu thinking, no, I could get out of this. I still, I can back out. I could do it maybe tomorrow or, you know, I, I don't need to fast in preparation for a sermon on fasting. Like, yeah. So I had this argument in my head. Yeah, I'm just human, just like everybody else, right? So, and then, they're like, what do you want? I'm like, well, I'm not eating. Why aren't you eating? Well, I'm fasting today. So I can prepare and hopefully hear from God a little bit on fasting. And they laughed at me. Well, it sucks to be you. So they ordered. <laughs> so they ordered the carnivore and Santa's little helper, which are my two favorite pizzas. And so then I had to sit at lunch, ten inches from my face, this carnivore up on that little metal rack that they put on the table, and smell it. And then at the end, this even gets worse for me. So at the end, they they, they were very generous. There's a few pieces left. They said you could take it home and, and have it for tomorrow. So I pick up the pizza and put it in the box, and then I realize I've got grease on my fingers. And then I'm having this internal, like, argument that I didn't share with anybody, but is that cheating? It's liquid. <laughs> it's liquid. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe some crust on there. I'm not sure. I wiped it on my jeans, just to let you know. I, I overcame my internal temptation to give up. And, and then the only other issue I really had was that evening when... So my, our routine in the evening is we, we have dinner with my family, and then we get the kids ready for bed, put them to bed, and then my wife and I, my, we, we watch TV and we snack and we hang out, right? My kids affectionately call my part of the snack my second dinner because of what it usually entails. So then I had that next crisis moment because of my habit, and that was the hardest thing I found. Um, reality was I wasn't that hungry throughout the day, but what I did find was that my normal habit of eating and then just those crisis moments where the, 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 where the rubber hit the road for me. The idea of biblical fasting is to deny physical needs to focus on spiritual needs. 
And it sounds counterintuitive that if I stop eating for a day, and I've gone four days before, but this was a, a one day, and I thought I would think about food a lot, but the reality is I only thought about it in those moments. So maybe three or four times that day did it ever even really come to my mind. But I did notice that I was focused on God a lot. I was focused on my prayers a lot. I was focused on my character a lot, my behavior. So it sounds counterintuitive, but it, fasting physical things will affect your spiritual life. So I'm super practical. So I, how do you fast? If you were going to fast, how would you do it? So here are, I think, six things I would encourage you to consider as you, as you fast in your life. And the first one is decide your purpose. Why are you fasting? Again, no purpose, you're just going to be hungry. You may get some health benefits from that, but the reality is I don't think the spiritual connection is going to be there. You're going to be going through the motions, and we're going to have the same response, I believe, as the, the Israelites back in Isaiah's time. Have a purpose. Are you fasting to grow closer to God? Are you fasting to see God move in your family, maybe a family member to to receive Christ, maybe our community as a whole, as, as a church we say we want to see it in Alaska as in heaven, that would be a great reason to fast. Maybe so you could understand something about God that's deeper. Maybe you, you feel like he's distant and you're struggling and you just want it to hear his voice. Great reasons to fast. But I want to warn you here, maybe give you a, a heads up. Be ready for God to surprise you in your purpose. You may think that you're going into fasting for this reason, but God may show you something different in that. The second thing is start small. You don't have to start with a seven-day fast. You don't have to start with a 40-day fast. You can start with a meal. You can start with a day. And, you know, I want to brag because the reality is, uh, I just want to show you how much better I am than you, is I went 32 hours, thanks for laughing at that, 32 hours Without, without eating, right? 32 hours. What that meant was Sunday night, though. It sounds impressive, but it ain't. Sunday night, 10 o'clock, is when I had my second dinner and finished that. I went to bed. I slept. I woke up the next morning, and I didn't have Dino's Donuts. I didn't have Moose's Tooth for lunch. Didn't have dinner with my family, and I didn't have second dinner. And then I went to bed again, and then I woke up the next morning and had a muffin that my daughter had made for that morning. 32 hours, and I slept through probably half of that. So one day fast is not that, three meals, that's all you're missing, right? Plan your fast, and this is important. If you don't plan your fast, you're gonna find yourself face-to-face with a carnivore pizza at Moose's Tooth questioning your life decisions because you didn't think through your week. There's, there are gonna be times when it's just not a good idea to be fasting. Plan it. Look at your schedule before you start so that you can, be, you can succeed in it. Count the costs. Know what you're giving up before you do it. Like for me, comfort food, that's the biggest thing is I find that I eat a lot because I just like eating and it makes me feel good. You're probably nothing like me. You might have an awkward lunch. Maybe you know you have a lunch appointment and that's the day, only day you can really, really fast and you know it's just gonna be weird, the conversation, why aren't you eating? At Moose's Tooth, the waitress, at the end of me not taking anything, she knew I wasn't eating, she said, why aren't you eating? I said, well, I'm not eating today. 
And, that's, and she walked away. That's as much interest as she needed to have. So, but count the costs. Address the loopholes before you find them. Um, this is kind of counting the cost. Address them up front. What, what counts? Are you, is this all I'm going to intake is water? Can I do smoothies? Is my normal medicine that I might take that day, my vitamins, do those count? If I take a McDonald's hamburger and put it with some fries and a milkshake and a blender, is that liquid? Is that okay? Like, if you don't address these, trust me, you're going to start looking for the loopholes, and then you're going to feel bad about yourself. Don't do that McDonald's thing, by the way. I was a youth pastor, and I can tell you from experience, it looks, smells, and tastes like vomit. (laughs) It is not what you think it will be. Be attentive. Is God showing you something about your heart, about him? Maybe he's calling you into action in some way. So be attentive to what God might be speaking to you. Last one, keep it quiet. Do you want to know which of your friends are doing CrossFit? Yeah, you laugh because you don't need to wonder because they're going to tell you every day on Facebook and Instagram. They're going to tell you all their gains. And the struggle is going to be real, but they're going to do it. Don't be the fasting equivalent of CrossFit. Keep it quiet. It's between you and God. It's not between everybody else. We don't want to do it so that others can see us doing it. But the reality is people will ask, my wife, why aren't you eating? Well, I'll tell her. I'm not going to lie to my wife. The waitress at Moose's Tooth or the guys around a table, they're going to ask, why aren't you eating? And you can do it in a way that isn't rude and arrogant. So what about situations of people who can't fast? Maybe people have, maybe you've got diabetes, blood sugar issues, and you can't go length of time without food, without being unhealthy. Maybe you are an uh, expecting or nursing mother. Maybe you're active duty military or you're an athlete training for active competition, and it's just, it's not going to make sense for you to be fasting food. I'd encourage you to think of other ways that you can fast. You can fast from tech. You can fast from screens. You could fast from, I know, coffee. You, you could fast from sugar. You could fast from just about anything in your life that would cost you something, that would put skin in the game with your prayer life. Someone this week also told me about something I hadn't considered, but it's fasting your words. And the idea is we use words so carelessly and we find ourselves a lot of times maybe cutting down other people or saying things that we wish we could have back. But it's fasting those phrases and those attitudes, fasting negative words that come out of your mouth. I'm like, wow, that would be a challenge because I find myself there a lot. What matters is your heart before God. You know you're doing it right when your focus is on God and his plan and not you and your plans. As a side note, there are some really cool benefits, and I believe because God created us, and he knows us, and he created us this way, there are some great health benefits to periodic fasting. It can help your immune system. It can reset blood sugar levels. It can help you in weight control, your blood pressure, all kinds of good things, but those are not the goal. Don't fast because of those things, but realize that God designed us and we sometimes realize those as a result. What would it look like if we as a community slowed down enough 
to incorporate the rhythm of fasting in our weekly or monthly schedules as we called upon God. I believe that we would see God move not only in our lives, but in our community in an amazing way as we focus on him and his plans. If you have your card, your action card that was on your seat when you came in, would you go ahead and pull that out? And we're, we've made this part of our rhythm as a church because we wanted to not just look into God's word, but we want to make sure that God's word changes us and affects us so that we can take steps in that relationship. And so here's four steps that I would suggest you, you prayerfully consider one of these. And the first is saying yes to following Jesus for the first time. And the reality is if you haven't yet said yes, yes to Jesus, then this is just another ritual for you. This is just another hoop to jump through. It will just be a motion to do and not something that connects your heart to God. So it's super important. If you, if you don't understand what that looks like to, to say, yes, I'm all in on Jesus, find any of our team members today. They're wearing T-shirts and lanyards, and you can ask them, help me understand what that means. Would you, would you talk to me about that? Don't walk out of here without that. But let us know. We'd love to follow up with that. Turn your phone off for 24 hours. It's the second one. Some of you, I just lost you, like, completely. <laughs> like, there's no way. And I was thinking, like, on my day off, I haven't done it yet. But I, this is, I think this is, for me, a problem. And I know maybe as our culture is, we are on our phones all the time. What would it look like on your day off just to turn it off, put it on a shelf, and go about your day? The world would not know what you're eating for lunch. And it... What, what happens if I, I slide my car into a ditch on the Glen? Well, if your phone is with you and it's off, then you can turn it on and you could call somebody or call 911. You can do that. I, I gave you permission. But what would that look like for you to focus not on your phone for a day, but, but on your relationship with God? Fast for 24 hours. Like I said, it'll sound a lot, it'll be a lot longer than it sounds three meals, and you, you can almost claim 32 hours, or probably more if you don't have second dinner the night before. 24 hours to focus on your relationship with God. Fast a meal to give a meal. And what I mean by that is, whatever meal you, you decide you're going to forego, package it up and give it to somebody. If you work in downtown Anchorage, it's not hard to find somebody who could benefit from that meal. Maybe you're in a restaurant with others. You could forego a lunch and purchase a lunch at a table nearby. That would be an amazing way to shine a light into, into our world. At the bottom of that, it asks for your phone number. We are not going to sell that to political campaigns. We're not going to add you to crazy text lists. What we really want to do this week, and we, this is our commitment to you, is just send you a reminder text to follow through or to remind you of that commitment that you've made so that you will take a step as we try to add some of these rhythms into our hurried lives that we would slow down enough to be able to connect with the God who created us. You can drop that in the baskets when they come by uh, later in the service or in the black boxes that say give on them uh, by the doors as you leave, uh, and we will be happy to follow up with you on those. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your great love for us. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that, Lord, you have made us to have rhythms in our lives that remind us of you, that connect us to you. 
Lord, so often in my mind, I say a lot of words in my prayers to you, and I, I sometimes feel disconnected from that. Lord, I thank you that you've given us a tool, that you have given us the opportunity to enter into fasting with you. And Lord, I pray in that, that you would meet us there, that you would show us more of who you are, that you would reveal the true state and nature of our heart before you. And that you would motivate us, Lord, to take action and steps that would facilitate a healthy relationship with the God who has put us on this planet. Lord, help us to go in grace. We love you in the name of Jesus. We pray, amen. Thank you, guys.